welcome to the Successful Farming Podcast. I'm Jody Henke. Ever wonder how cranberries are grown? There are only a few places in the United States that provide the perfect growing conditions for this native fruit. One of them is in Massachusetts. Don Gates Allen is a fourth-generation cranberry grower farming on Massachusetts land handed down from her great-grandmother. She graciously took time out from harvesting to talk with me about how it's all done. Let's just start out by talking about the cranberry and what conditions that they need to grow in. Sure. So there's a lot of misconceptions about cranberries, that cranberries grow in water, like the beautiful commercials you see. And then there's also the conception that cranberries grow on trees. The fact is that cranberries actually grow in dry conditions on a long spindly vine that's probably four to six inches long. And it's a perennial plant. And we use water to harvest the crop. And then we use water in the winter to protect the crop from the winter, you know, freezing and cold temperatures so that we don't get wind burn on the leaf tissue. Come March, those floodwaters are removed. And the normal chlorophyll to the leaf starts coming back. So when the plant is dormant in the winter and it starts during harvest season, the leaf stew becomes, you know, like a golf course to a red look. The berry starts developing on the plant throughout the summer. Um, the 4th of July, when everyone's having their cookouts, we're tending to pollination and we're irrigating and tending to our bees. We have precision irrigation with computers and iPhone technology, and it's quite scientific growing cranberry. So it's not it's not as easy as most people think. Up here in the Northeast or you know, in other regions where cranberries are grown, people think you can just drive by and you don't see a lot of activity. But I think any kind of ag, it's extremely scientific, and that's always the message we try and make sure people understand. Scientific. What sort of things are you talking about there? So we always try and strike a balance with Mother Nature. So we do rely on water for irrigation. What people you know, need to understand is that for cranberries, if you overwater cranberries, you promote too much growth to the plant. So you would end up with more vine growth and you would actually limit the amount of cranberries that would actually grow. So growers really don't want to overwater the crop. So we're watering when we actually need. So up here in the Northeast and in Wisconsin and other growing regions, we have tensiometers where we can actually measure soil tension, which is the amount of hydration or moisture in the soil. So we're irrigating when we need to. And a lot of that data is done, you know, scientifically with our iPhones or, you know, iPads, laptops. It's very precision ag. So that to me is incredible because I'm a fourth generation cranberry grower and, you know, my great-grandmother who sat at our farm probably wouldn't have any idea how complicated we've, it's very complex from, you know, where it was in the early 1900s. So how many acres do you guys have? Yeah, on this particular farm where I live, we've got 28 acres of producing cranberry bogs, but we've got in total about 97 acres, you know, of land. So the rest of the property is either upland pine groves. We've got an eight acre reservoir. We've got some swamp area that is hydrologically important because it holds water and we can pump water backwards to the cranberry bog during drought season. Water management is something that cranberry growers are very good at doing. It's the lifeline of agriculture. You know, another lifeline of agriculture is the soil that it's growing in. So 
What type of soils do cranberries grow best in? Cranberry itself is native to Massachusetts and it originated on Cape Cod. And so it likes soily conditions like sand. For some reason, there's something about sand that just creates a synergy for root growth. And so the cranberry industry predominantly, you know, during the 1800s was on the Cape during the whaling and, you know, early history of Massachusetts, the colonization, and then it moved off of the Cape. The cranberries really like moist soil. So there's the layer of peat, then the next layer would be like a gravelly soil, like a cobbly gravel. And then there's a fine layer of what we would call sand. So you've got these basic three layers that help with moisture, but also drainage as well. The upper top soil, the sand and the gravel layer help pull the water away from the roots, but the peat layer helps keep that moisture right there at the root layer to keep the vine healthy. Do you have to add any nutrients to it at all? So from a standpoint of nutrients, the organic layer that's up here in Massachusetts is heavy laden with nitrogen. So we have to be really careful about not over fertilizing our cranberry bog. So we have a lot of guidance from the UMass Cranberry Station and we follow their chart book and their recommendation. So what we do here is we have soil test analysis done about every three years and we also have tissue samples done. And so we do that about every other year. So it's basically every other year we're having soil and tissue analysis done so that we're making sure that we're putting the appropriate you know, nutrients on the bog. But the key message is that over fertilizing the bog creates too much growth. You know, like your lawn, if you apply too much fertilizer, you're going to get a nice green lush lawn. When you over fertilize a cranberry bog, or water. So those two combinations, if you over-fertilize and over-water, you push that plant past the point of producing cranberries, the fruit. So you're not going to grow a bud, you're not going to go into a blossom stage, and you're not going to go into actually developing fruit. You're just going to grow wild, rank vines. So it's it's very critical that growers do not over-fertilize. So when do you harvest cranberries? What does it take to harvest them? We talk about harvest season all the time as growers up here in Massachusetts. Years ago, I'm, I'm, I'm young, I'm only 53, but I used to start harvesting with my grandparents the early part of September. Now, with just the seasons and the way they're changing, we're not really starting until the middle of October. And so what we do is our family and predominantly the industry is a water harvested based industry. And so water harvested fruit is done with a water reel, which is that iconic reel that, you know, spins in front of the grower, knocking the berries off and then the berries float up in front of them. We're now transitioning the industry with new harvest equipment technology where we're using GPS, which we use here at our farm, but also something called a harrow. What we're doing is we have a four-wheel drive vehicle. It's articulated in the center. So most Folks in the ag world or farming world would know what I'm referring to, but essentially it's, it's got front tires, it's got back tires, and in the center it's got a pin, and you drive it forward or you can reverse it, but it's articulated for turning tight corners. And it has an up and down, almost like a forklift harrow, and it just pushes the berries off of the stem. And what we have found with using this harrow, we've increased our production by about 30%. So instead of thinking about that old water reel that 
spins. And when it spins, it's actually brushing the cranberry vine and knocking off the tender bark because the cranberry is a perennial plant. So when you think of the cranberry vine next to, say, a rhododendron bush, if you scrape the bark off of a perennial plant, you're stressing that plant out. So you're not going to have maximum production. So we're transitioning to a harrow. And what the harrow does is it brushes the berry off and the stem is brittle. And by brushing it off, the berry breaks off from the vine and floats to the top because they're hollow inside. The other style of harvest is that dry harvest method. 5% of the industry is dry harvested. And that is a walk behind, like a, a lawnmower in a sense, where the vine is actually combed and the cranberries are deposited onto a conveyor belt. And then they're dropped into a burlap bag. And then they're sorted manually, and typically they're lifted off the bog by a helicopter and then brought to the manufacturing, whether it's ocean spray or, you know, up here it's decus. Those fruit are hand-sorted for fresh fruit. So the commercials that you see with the farmers standing in waders and the flooded bog, is that real then, or is that kind of made up? Is that really what it looks like? That's what I actually just stepped out of. I'm in the middle of harvesting my farm here. And we've got that beautiful foliage, the swamp maples are in every color you can imagine, the reds, the gold, and oranges, and the cranberries are red, and they're floating, and we all have our waders on, and that is exactly what it looks like. So it's very iconic. It's a great representation. In my mind, it's one of the prettiest harvests that I can think of. My family's been farming pigs, chickens. 1,200 pigs at one time, 25,000 chickens. So our family's been very entrenched in agriculture. And when you think of harvest, this is probably the most prettiest harvest I can think of. The water harvested fruit is used for cranberry juice. It's also utilized for the sweet and dried market. So sweet and dried are used for the grab-and-go snacks, cereal, energy bars, and then the fresh fruit that we had just mentioned. That fruit is garnished over the November and December market. And that's used for making cranberry sauces and your cranberry bread. And we usually recommend, you know, that people grab extra and freeze it because you can hold that fruit over in your freezer for a year. And I freeze 40 pounds a year and make my own cranberry sauce. I have cranberry sauce at every meal. <laughs> Yum, that sounds good. Are there different varieties of cranberries grown for specific purposes? That's a great question. There are. So in Massachusetts, we have about 12 different varieties that are heritage here. The older heritage varieties, like the early black, they're synonymous to their name. They're an early variety. They were used for fresh fruit. They color up and get very dark colored. They're also great for cranberry sauces, cranberry bread. They don't have the best keeping quality from a standpoint of you know, if you want to use them for an early market variety, they're great. But if you're thinking you're going to hold those over fresh into January or February in the refrigerator, they won't last that long. There's a how variety that keeps very well. And that will keep in your refrigerator or in cold storage in your basement till probably March. The other big variety that's very well known in Massachusetts is a Stevens. And that's a, it's a hybrid. And it's a bigger berry. And that berry they use to make sweet dries with. When they slice it, it just holds up very well. Those are the big primary berries. Okay. And are they all same size, same color? Well, you mentioned some of the darker ones. Yeah, but- right. So unlike apples or oranges, ask another cranberry grower, there might be a slight change in flavor. I was just 
saying to my husband, you know, because of the drought, it seems to me that the Stevens variety, because that's all we have harvested so far, it just seems to me this year that they just taste a little sweeter as much as we all understand their tart, but they just have, it seems like a little extra sugar in them. And I'm not sure if it's the drought that has, you know, accentuated that or not, but they taste really good this year. So kind of looking forward to, you know, seeing what everybody else has to say, but that's my take on it. What's your favorite part of being a cranberry farmer? Oh gosh. You know, during the day I worked for the Cape Cod Cranberry Growers Association and and my coworkers came up today to help do some filming. And I think the part that's the best is that this is where I grew up. I've been here since I think I was four years old. And it's just such a privilege, whether it's a cranberry grower or farmer, it's just such a privilege to be connected to the earth. We're so connected to the wind, the weather, but also that sense of responsibility. I mentioned I have 90 acres here, and it's a privilege to have that amount of land you know, here in Massachusetts and to say you're a farmer, a woman farmer. And my farm here was started by my great-grandmother. And so that's also pretty special. But it's also that sense of responsibility that it was left to me, you know, by my dad, by my grandparents and my great grandparents. But it's what can I leave, you know, for the next generation? Absolutely. Anything else you want people to know about cranberry farming? Um, I just think, you know, when people go to the grocery store, there's such competition for food. And I know for myself, I'm basically a healthy person, but I really try and shop the outside aisles of the grocery store because that's where the freshest produces that gives you the best bang for your health. And, you know, obviously the center aisle is the cranberry juice and the cranberry sauces, but there's a lot of competition for decision-making when we go to the store. So I don't like to say buy a specific brand of cranberry anything. I'm really, I just support the cranberry industry is my philosophy because we're just a small industry. We're all here to grow a good crop and the cranberry itself is just packed health benefits. And, you know, I know people are concerned with sugar, but I think if you really weigh out options of cooking with cranberries and reducing the sugar, you're going to get a pack full of health benefits with cranberries. Thanks to Dawn Gates Allen for being on the podcast. And thank you for listening. For Successful Farming, I'm Jody Henke.